B. Liam Neeson. Dear reader, you're not going to love this entry. You might even hate it, but there's a slight chance that your panic will not come because of it. I need you to pretend to be Liam Neeson. That's right. You're going to embody the essence of Liam Neeson, the 68-year-old Irish gem of an actor, as he portrayed the character Brian Mills in the cult classic movie Taken. You're going to talk to your body as if it were his character's daughter, Kim, who is about to be physically taken, abducted, only in our little role-playing game. Your body is about to be taken, taken by panic. Okay, time out real quick from role-playing so I can explain myself. You're going to reach a point where you have had so many bouts of panic that the next time you start to feel one bubble up, you're going to recognize it and get mad instead of scared. You're going to be angry that another one of these fuckers is trying to run up on you at the most inconvenient moment. You're going to be sick of it and frustrated and just so over it. Instead of hitting you out of nowhere, the symptoms will start to creep up on you and you'll notice and say, oh shit, not this fucking shit again. God damn it. Now, this is not the freaking time, body. Then, instead of coming out of nowhere with the intensity of a loud-ass smoke detector that scares the shit out of you, these feelings will graduate to a more slow and steady rising alarm, like an old-hand crank fire truck siren from a black-and-white film. But instead of allowing the rumination of self-anger and punishment to fester up, I want you to channel that anger into readiness, ready like Liam Neeson's character in Taken. The good news about being Liam Neeson is that you've reached a new level in your brain. You're becoming more and more aware and recognizing your symptoms and triggers. Okay, time in. Back to being Liam Neeson from the movie Taken. Tell yourself that being mad at your panic is not helpful. When we get angry, we release our control to the one thing causing us anger. Liam Neeson, or Brian Mills, does not lose control. He stays cool as a cucumber in times of chaos. This is what we, or he, would say to his body if it were about to be overcome by a panic attack. Try saying this to yourself. My mind and my body will continue to be stronger than any sense of panic. When I need to, I will tell myself that I am safe right here, right now. I do not have money to solve this panic, but what I do have is a very particular set of skills I have acquired over long reads of this amazing workbook that teaches me to be kinder to myself and more aware of my emotions without judging them. If I let my panic go wild, that will be the end of it. I will not enjoy my time. I will not pursue my goal of non-judgment. But if I don't give up, I will look at my panic and recognize this feeling. I will find it and use my skills to manage it. And I will not judge it. I will manage it. That's a weird one, huh? Panic Prep Kit you can make your own prep kit and carry it wherever you go, buy a cute bag for it, make one, decorate it, 
an excuse to go to Target. DIY, yes. All right, number one, voice memo from a loved one. This was my wonderful partner's idea when I took my first international plane flight alone since we had met. He recorded a few versions of a voice memo to keep on my phone that did not require Wi-Fi to listen to. One version was very relaxing and meditative and had funny and cute details about our relationship. Another was a little more high energy of him, gassing me up to do anything I believed in, like a dope rapper's hype man. I was able to pull these things up on my phone and play them through my AirPods as the flight was taking off. His voice made me smile and his jokes made me laugh. Sometimes a generic meditative track won't do it for me. But this comforted me in a way I didn't know was possible because it was so personal. Two, medication. This is not a necessity. Many cultures don't believe in using medication to treat mental health issues, and that's completely fine. In my opinion, when used correctly, pharmaceuticals have saved my life at certain times, but have also felt detrimental during other periods of my life. So, if you believe in pharmaceuticals, make sure you have enough for home, but also one or two to carry in your prep kit. If you don't have medication or don't believe in it, medication can mean other things. Maybe it's a tiny airplane bottle of vodka. Hey, I don't judge. Number three is a phone charger. The last thing I need when panicking is being separated from the option to call a loved one if needed or text or listen to a soothing song on Spotify. Maybe even the option to look at a funny meme. But if your phone is dead, we can't do any of this. Mobile chargers are super easy to find these days. I have even seen some companies give these away for free at events. Designate this mobile charger as your prep kit charger only so you're not tempted to use it for other scenarios. Four, lavender essential oils. Only a drop will do so as not to affect the others around you. Warm it up in your hands and sniff that shit like you're a police dog sniffing the crack. Well, sniffing for crack cocaine. <laughs> Five, pre-downloaded podcasts or Netflix on your phone. DM friends for logins if you can't afford it. Everyone has extra room on their accounts. Distract your panic with your favorite shows or podcasts. I recommend you listen to confidently and secure on any podcast platform. Six, fidget cube. Have something to do with your hands so you're not checking your pulse or creating unnecessary body movements or twitching. And seven, a photo or small object that brings you happiness. If you can, use your phone to create an album of funny memes or videos you know will make you smile. For a physical object, find something personal that brings back a happy memory. For me, it's a small rock that's naturally shaped like a heart that I found at a lake during an amazing trip with my family. When I run my fingers over it, I think back to these memories and the people that were there who I know would love to be there for me during this tough moment. So, when do panic attacks become a panic disorder? Some people will only have one or very few panic attacks in their lifetime. We 
cannot understand these people. Maybe we can't empathize with them or perhaps are downright jealous of them. And I know you are not one of those people because you're reading this sentence. I'm sorry. But if you have had recurrent, unexpected panic attacks and spent long periods in constant fear of another attack, you may have a panic disorder. Always check with your doctor, though, of course, but fear not. Take me as an example of someone who's not only alive and surviving them, but thriving because of them. It took a long time, but I was eventually able to get to a place of acceptance and successful management of my panic disorder, which is exactly why I wanted to create this workbook so that others diagnosed with panic disorder might get a little head start on recovery. Flying panic attacks. Ah, yes, my specialty. Once upon a time, I was having a panic attack upon takeoff. Takeoff for me is always the worst because it solidifies in my mind that for the next X, X hours, you have zero control over this speeding air tube. On this particular flight, I tried getting up as we were taking off to run to the bathroom to puke or shit or to try to catch my breath, I don't know. And the flight attendant got on the intercom and said, we need everyone to sit down immediately or we will land this plane. And I shouted back, you promise? Needless to say, I didn't make many friends on that flight, but part of my job requires me to fly all across the world to make videos and meet clients and make partnerships. A very small pilot once said, when you're a baby, you have a fear. I'm sorry, you have two fears instilled in you from birth. Fear of loud noises and fear of falling. And planes give you both of those feelings. Essentially, being on a plane is tapping into an evolutionary fear. As much as these elongated people, air carriers suck ass, this is actually a good opportunity to practice sitting with your panic. Not only because you're forced to literally sit, but because your odds of making it to your destination are incredibly high. It's just about the hours between now and landing. Some Kelsey tips. First, we need to assess the environment. Find your exit. Survey the people sitting around you. Know that most humans are good and will help you if you really need assistance. This is also the moment you have to be a bit brave. Letting the people around you know about your panic disorder or fear of flying will save you time when you are panicking trying to explain what a panic attack is. Yeah, no thanks. I'll usually smile at them when I sit down and watch the vibe if they're a talker or not, and to be honest, sometimes I'm not a talker, but that's pretty rare. I love to hear my own voice. I'll take some deep breaths, calming my nervous system, and when they inevitably look over at my meditative practice, I hit them with the, I'm a very nervous flyer, and smile. Maybe I'll even wave my Xanax at them if I get the right reaction. That way, if they see I'm getting up often, they'll be more empathetic. I've even had times where I've been sitting next to someone who can relate or offers up one of their clodipin 
I believe I'm legally obligated here to say don't take drugs from strangers, but, like, I don't even follow my own advice, so be smart. We're all adults here. Second, board early. I had my therapist write me a note stating my medical condition that I needed extra time to get settled. I've never had to use it because airline workers are trained that they shouldn't ask about someone's medical condition when boarding. The same way you shouldn't ask someone why they have a therapy dog. It's just rude. But I'd have no problem whipping that baby out if I need to and educating some people on the old panic disorder if they really wanted to get into it and have that discussion right there in the boarding line. Third, remember humans are good. Almost everyone will be willing to help if you need just ask need help getting your luggage up need directions water for your meds just ask fourth tip is sleep on the flight if you can if you're not ready to fly without fear of an attack i highly recommend a pillow for your neck all airline pillows suck except the trtl pillow Additionally, dream water or taking a small dose of Benadryl, which all airports sell in their little shops, is known to give even the biggest and strongest of people a nice, drowsy glaze. Tip 5. Download the app Soar. It was invented by a former airplane pilot who helps people with flying anxiety. Coming in hot at number 6. Keep your hands busy. When you feel fidgety and... The setback movie just ain't cutting it. Get some small bursts of energy out with your hands. Braid your hair. Bring a fidget cube or spinner. Try to make your own weird fun cocktail or mocktail. Ask the flight attendant for three of the most random liquids you can find in the menu to create your own concoction. Finally, tell yourself that statistically, you are not the only person on this flight who has flying anxiety, so take comfort in knowing that is a very common fear, and if you just keep an eye out, you might find a fellow white-knuckled friend you can chat with and maybe share some tips or play tic-tac-toe together. <laughs>